the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. It is a privilege and a delight to welcome back to the show Carrie Lake, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. You can learn more about her candidacy and help it help her out at CarrieLake.com or follow her on Twitter X at Carrie Lake. Easy enough. Carrie, welcome back. Oh, it's good to be here, Seth. Thanks for having me. Carrie, I have to start with this. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, um, I, I like this Edmund Burke philosophy that manners are more important than, um, than, than laws. And after our last interview, I got a few people wrote me and called me and said, we think it's disrespectful that you refer to her as Carrie. And I said, I think it's okay with her, but let me find out and let's settle it once and for all. Is it okay? But you tell me. I will, I will call you as you wish. Of course you can call me Carrie, but you know what? Isn't that wonderful that there's still people out there yes, that yes. that think of manners yes, and think, you know, yes. I love that. But I'm I'm Carrie. Call me Carrie. I've, and I've after January, we'll call you Senator, but uh, next year. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Carrie for now, Senator to be coming soon. Carrie, you were uh, at the border about a week ago, and uh, you gave a talk. You did some fact-finding. I'm actually going uh, to Lukesville on Thursday to see some things that some people sent some photos of that were just unlike anything I've ever seen. Tell us about what you saw when you went down there. Well, we, we decided to go back down to the border and do something a little different. You know, I, I'm a Moms for Carry group, which is a coalition of moms who are really, really concerned about the future our country is going in our state. And we've talked so many times about the border. And of course, we all see online the pictures of people pouring across, coming up through the wall or where, you know, where Biden has welded the wall open or wherever there's gaps. And then we see the buses arriving in places like New York or we see people pulling up to buses at our own airports. And we were talking about it with this Moms Coalition. They said, well, how do they get from, you know, from crossing the border to New York City or the Phoenix airport? And so we decided to do a border tour with the moms mm-hmm. because Let's face it, it's the families of American families are suffering yep. because of the border policy of Joe Biden. Yep. And Tucson is actually the place in Tucson sector. We went to Nogales where all of the people who are, um, you know, caught, who are turning themselves in, who the Border Patrol uh, processes end up going to Nogales. They get further processed. They get a health screening. Then they get put on buses. About nine of buses leave every day from Nogales and they go to an airport or a city, you know, near you. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of wanted to see where that was happening. And that's why we went to um, Nogales. And our next trip, we're going to go, you know, somewhere where, where people are actually crossing the border yeah. and we can see them coming across. But this is really an educational trip for the moms because mm-hmm. families are suffering right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, the economy is such that we can't afford, you know, to fill our gas tank. We used to maybe fill it up and now we can live for a quarter of a tank or half a tank. We can't afford the groceries we used to be able to afford. And these moms are so frustrated because they watch as people pour across, yep. breaking the law. Yep. 
They get a brand new phone. They get clothing. They get food. They get a health checkup. They get a bus ride and a plane ticket, and then they get put up in hotels. And they're wondering why the government is failing us in such a way. And it was it was really eye opening because the the Democrat mayor of Nogales joined me for the press conference that we had. And he said, Carrie, we can't take much more of this. In about a week, they're going to be losing some of the funding they have. And instead of eight or nine buses pulling out of Nogales every day, there's only going to be two buses. And that means all these people who come to Nogales to get processed, according to the mayor, will just end up uh, on the streets of yep. Nogales. Right. You've been there. It's a right. small town. Yep. 22,000 people, roughly. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I, and I'm going back again this week. I, uh, the things I saw from the pictures that were taken were just incredible. Throngs and throngs of uh, young adults and children, clearly not from Mexico, by the way, uh, just very clearly from other continent. Um, Someone's paying for them. Someone's paying them. Uh, I don't think it's a free trip from Africa straight to the border. I'm, I'm thinking these are these are cartels. Uh, one of my friends who was there uh, by driving by said he interrupted a drug, excuse me, a drug tran- transaction. This is not only inhumane to Americans; it's an abuse of these people as well. I believe. Absolutely, the cartels are getting richer. Mm-hmm. Um, our government is getting poorer. Our tax money is being diverted. And, and, you know, you're right. They're coming from like 160 different countries. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mayor Maldonado said, we speak Spanish down here. We speak English. Yep. And people who are coming in don't speak either. Yeah, these were They're all, believe Senate. it or not, from Africa. The, the, these people, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of just from Africa. That's That, that doesn't they, make a lot of sense. Can you imagine now you have people from countries, China, yeah. Africa, roaming right. the streets of Nogales? There's, there's only so much help in a small town like those, I, I believe, are uh, a big part of the problem. They are encouraging this. I know they'll say they're helping, but by by continuing to roll out the support behind all of this, you're encouraging this. Yes. And unfortunately, we don't have a president who has negotiating ability. He, he doesn't even have communication ability. You know, at least President Trump worked his tail off trying to secure our border. And I think he did a pretty good job. I think it was more secure than Trump had seen it. And when it became untenable while he was trying to build the wall, he worked to uh, he worked with, with Mexico's president and said, we're going to increase tariffs if you don't start immediately helping us on your side of the border. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes uh, some tough negotiating to get help, but we need help in these other nations. We've given so much help to the world. We need these other nations to assist. Well, you're absolutely right about that. We're speaking with Carrie Lake. You're absolutely right about that. And it's, it's, it's an odd sign of failure. It's almost, it's almost, I I, I sympathize uh, with, with these moms you were with Carrie, because it's a sign, excuse me, it's a sign of failure of our government and their government and their country that we can't protect this country and we're just hanging it out there as if this is something to be proud of. Meanwhile, it is inhumane, not only to Americans, but to the people that are being trafficked here. We haven't even talked about sex 
trafficking in in this respect just yet. But it's inhumane with the drug. We are becoming, we border states are becoming, really, Arizona and Texas, it seems to me, we are becoming the, 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 the feeder and vector of illegal immigration and crime and drugs to the rest of the United States of America. Yes, we feel it here first, but we're now exporting it to other states as well. And I don't want to have that reputation. And I'm sure, Seth, that nobody listening wants Arizona to have that reputation as the pipeline for what I call a weapon of mass destruction, fentanyl, pouring into our country, taking a generation with it. And this is is not a partisan issue, other than the way Joe Biden, the reason we have the problem, because he pulled back a perfectly good border policy. You know, when, when fentanyl kills you, It doesn't ask what your voting record is and who you voted for and who you support. Correct. When um, when you're killed in a car crash, somebody who's here illegally, um, they don't know whether you are a Democrat or Republican. Correct. This is an American. We've we've got to protect our country. We have an invasion and the numbers of people pouring through just the Tucson sector. Nearly three thousand came in yesterday. I think last week it was close to sixteen thousand came through the Tucson sector. We are watching some of them are. Our children, some of them are women, but a lot of them are fighting age men. We're importing a, a foreign army on our own soil. And we don't know what the people who are coming across are capable of. That's correct. We don't understand. And, and that's frightening. It's frightening, and we don't and we don't know. I was last time I was at the border. Was a, a, a reporter from one of the local TV channels, not not your ex one, not the one you used to work with, but another one. And he said, "Look right there, there's a family crossing." And I said, "You don't know that that's a family, actually. You don't know wh- what what's being done with that woman and that child." And we have too many you're statistics right. to prove otherwise. Yes, yeah, some of them are families. An awful lot of them are not. And you're right; they're not asking. The, uh, the the fentanyl dealers and the criminals are not asking whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or whether you voted for Trump or whether you're going to vote for Kerry Lake. The, you know what else they don't know? They don't know zip codes and area codes anymore either. It's affecting everyone. I was looking, Kerry, I was looking at um, – can you stay a minute? I have to take a break. Can you stay another yep. segment? I'll just, I'll just leave you with this thought before, the, before we pick it up on the other side of the break. There's this very handy monthly report that's put out by the Arizona Department of Corrections called Corrections at a Glance, and they they break down, you know this report, but they break down for the audience the inmates and what inmates in Arizona are there for, and they do a breakdown of how many of them are criminal aliens, hundreds in the category of sex offenders, rapes, and sexual assaults, not even getting to the drugs, not even getting to the murders and kidnappings. I mean, this is everywhere here now, Carrie, and it is a failure of government. And that's why, you know, it's so important you're talking about this and you have a 10-point border plan to do something about it. Take a quick commercial break, and uh, Carrie Lake and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Carrie Lake with us, candidate, Republican candidate for United States Senate. Her website, CarrieLake.com. You can follow her on Twitter, X, at Carrie Lake. Carrie, your friend, our mutual friend Sam and I, we don't call it Twitter and X anymore. We just put it together and call it Twix. Don't you think that makes things easier? <laughs> just call it Twix instead of this Twitter parentheses. It kind of sounds like that, <laughs> that, that woke Latinx or whatever they <laughs> yeah, want to call yes. <laughs> Yes, we, we do have to be cautious of that. We were talking about I your trip. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I still call it Twitter. I'm old-fashioned, I, I guess. It's hard for me to move it, too. I'm still hiking Squaw Peak, though, don't you know? So, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Same. Yeah, Same. yeah, yeah. Carrie Lake, um, you were at the border last week. Uh, you took a bunch of moms. There was another thing I wanted to talk about. We've brought up a lot of the crime. We've brought up the drug problem. We've brought up uh, some of the trafficking issues. The other thing is a national security issue, and you were touching on it. I, I just find some of these numbers incredible that I was reading about uh, 6,386 from Afghanistan over the last year, 3,153 from Egypt, 659 from Iran, 538 from Syria. That we caught, Carrie. That we caught. You right. can't tell me this isn't a national security issue of the highest magnitude. Well, and, and this is why uh, we, under President Trump, he did not want to accept people coming across from uh, countries that are harbor harboring terrorism and terrorists. Right. And, and, and it was, you know, they, they called him Islamophobe and all of that. But this was a way of protecting American citizens. That's the job. That's the job. He is the American president. This is the American Congress. This is the American Senate. And lately, it seems like they care about everybody except Americans. And I, and I think the people are getting really tired of that. The moms I brought down to the border are incredibly and increasingly concerned about um, who's coming in. Is it just a matter of time before we have an um, October 7th um, style terrorist attack on our homeland? And no one seems to care in Washington, D.C. They keep voting for Biden's policies. And right now they're trying to uh, make a deal, strike a deal and they're they're dragging back in Ukraine funding into this. Chuck Schumer is. And I'm thinking, is this guy so tone deaf or does he truly not care about America? Because there's so many Americans who are looking at how much money we poured into Ukraine while we have a wide open border. And they are they're fed up. They're wondering, when are we going to put uh, a stop to this? The, the bleeding at the border with just a wide open border. You know, our, our children's elementary schools have Narcan, Narcan now. That's right. Because That's right. fentanyl has gone so far. That's right. And, you know, it used to be you'd have, you'd have Band-Aids and maybe some aspirin right. in the nurse's office. Right. And now we've got Narcan. That's right. We're falling apart at the seams. That's right. And, uh, and the families of this country are looking around going, does anybody care about us? Because we're struggling. We're struggling right now. No, that's right. Um, I was listening to another host this morning. Dennis Prager was talking to a caller who was kind of disagreeing with him on on many things and saying, you know, Dennis, when I hear you talk about all the problems, um, things you you sound a little bit like an extremist. Dennis Prager, who's about as avuncular as it comes, you sound like an extremist. And Dennis said, I don't want my children and grandchildren to look back and see that while America— was falling apart at every level, I was being a moderate. You know, and I just thought, you know, that's right. At every single level, Carrie, our schools, our public health, our national security, our sovereignty, our criminal justice system. Name me an institution that has been improved since Joe Biden and the Democrats took over. Name me one. You cannot. No one can. They can't name me one area that has been improved. Right. You're right. Dennis Prager's right. Our constitution's being trampled. Our constitutional rights are being trampled. And I don't, I, I feel the same way. I want to look into my grand, great grandchildren's eyes someday. And I hope what they say is thank you for fighting for America and making sure we have our liberties. I don't want them to look at me and say, what did you do right. 
to try to um, save our country if, if we're living in communism right now. Right. I don't want to have to look at them and say, oh, I gave up because it was too hard, or they called me names, or they were mean to me. You know, I don't care what they call me. If they call me an extremist because I want a secure border, if they call me extremist because I want safe streets uh, and I want to make sure our economy is strong so that if you work hard and play by the rules, you can actually get ahead and, and maybe build a little uh, a, a little home and live in it and, and enjoy the American dream. And right now that's that's slipping out of our reach of our young people. And I have two young kids. I have a 19 and 20 year old that I'd like to see have access to the American dream if they work hard and, and you know, follow the law and play by the rules. And I don't know that that's going to happen, Seth. I think there's a lot of worried parents out there uh, wondering what their children's future looks like if we don't fight. And that's why I'm, I'm a big supporter, and you know this, of President Trump. I thought his policies, putting America first, were, were strong. Not everybody liked his personality, but you, you have to admit, ask yourself if you were better off financially four years ago. Was our border more secure four years ago? Was our economy stronger four years ago? Were our streets safer? And were our families doing better? And I think the answer is yes. We yeah. were doing better four years ago. These are not hard uh, questions to answer. They might be hard for the Democrats uh, for, for, for when we raise them or when you raise them, Carrie. Uh, but you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I think is so wonderful about your candidacy is how you have been, as you did with the border, harnessing so much of the moms and the female vote. I'm going to guess, I don't know, but I'm going to guess at many, if not most, of your rallies, you're seeing more moms and grandmas than you are seeing dads and grandfathers. I don't know. I think we have a lot of dads as well. Good. I really do. Um, I I did really well in, in support from men in Good. the last election. Good. And I know fathers are concerned. You know, we're, we're watching our families being hit. And, and when you're a parent, you're protective. Good. That's a, an instinct you just have as a parent. And we're looking at our border being wide open and saying our government's doing nothing to protect us. It's really their job, the guarantee clause, if we're being invaded to protect this country. And they're doing absolutely nothing. And I think um, parents and moms and dads were only as strong, as I like to say, as our, as our most important institution. And that's the family. And right now the family is feeling a lot of pressure. And it's... Um, it's it's weak right now, unfortunately. It's another it's another one of those institutions. Yes, it's another one of those institutions, yep. which is the epoxy of any safe and civil culture. And uh, we have we have we have taken a wrecking ball to that as well. Actually, maybe you, that would be a fun conversation for us to have, an enlightening one for us to have next time you're with us. I'd like to talk to you about the importance of the forces of combination um, in this society, you know, churches, synagogues, and families, and what they've been put up against as well. Forces of combination in this society. Wouldn't that be that? Let's talk about that, that next time you're here with us. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just really quick, I just looked it up because I wanted to yep. find out. And under Title Eight of the U.S. Code, which yep. is where our immigration laws are spelled out, yeah, uh, it says no non-immigrant visa under Section 1101A15 shall be issued to any alien from a country that is a state sponsor of international terrorism. Yep. I guess it would be like the so-called Muslim ban that that President yep. Trump passed, but. Yep. It was meant to keep us safe to make sure we don't have terror cells That's right. inside America. Well said. And that hasn't been followed for the last two and a half, three years. 
Carrie Lake, thank you for your time and everything else. CarrieLake.com is the website. We'll talk to you soon, Carrie. Thank you. Thanks, Seth. Bye. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which are all around us, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you already do trust and know the veterans at the Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today, 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com, the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, and I trust and use. You're working through uh, the music there, David? We're getting, we're getting for a, Christmas. Yeah. Yes, Get, we're getting a we've unified. We've got lots of uh, Burl Ives and Bing Crosby and some of uh, Dean Martin's more dreamy songs. <laughs> so there's really <laughs> only one rule I gave yes. you, and the rule was I heard the rule was go crazy. No, it wasn't that. Well, it was derivatively that. Mm-hmm. Derivatively that. The main rule was. Unlike everywhere else. Unlike everywhere else. Unlike everywhere else. See, but the, the, the magic of Christmas comes from a shared sense of nostalgia of all of our childhoods. <laughs> and so you're ruining the magic of Christmas by, uh, by ruining the nostalgia I'm all factor. of a sudden the problem? How did you turn that table around? I beat you with logic. Why can't I introduce... Wonderful music for the season that people may not have heard because when you just hear it repetitively, you become numb and inured and it becomes oh so ho 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 hum that people don't find anything unique or different about it. Ah, but you tune into the Seth Leapson show and you hear this wonderful Christmas music that reminds you of the holiday because it's something a little bit different, though within keeping of the season and its norms, perhaps even traditions given a lift by other instrumentalities or instrumentalists and musicians that you haven't heard of or thought of before to see the unique ways in which they did it. Or is it... You know, um, no, we shouldn't uh, have food from, you know, Paul Prudhomme or Bobby Flay. And, oh, my gosh, Julia Child, why are you doing that with a chicken? Who would want that? And Colonel Sanders, no, we don't do chicken that way. Actually, with regard to our commercial enterprise yes. that we can't talk about on air but can uh, <laughs> waltz about Yeah. <laughs> uh, with our Thanksgiving meals that will be ready next year. Yeah. Patent pending, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, TM. You did make a good point when it came to Trader Vic's. Yes, we do. I, I, laughed. I we, laughed when I read that from because you. you didn't like the idea that I was trying to interject some Asian flair and flame into an otherwise traditional cuisine. You were mocking it, and I said, "Okay, I guess you know." You someone... just had to talk Nixon with me. 
Well, yeah, Trader Vic's was. No one said to Vic whatever his name was. Oh no, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't serve Polynesian drinks. No one would want that. And Richard Nixon won't make it his favorite restaurant. Lies, all of them. <laughs> you can't tell Colonel Sanders what are you doing to a chicken? We boil chickens in this country. No frying them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it becomes new and our own by innovation. So the Seth Leibson show is trying to start new traditions. That's what we're doing. I'm trying to reinvigorate and give added spice and pungency to traditions that have become a little tired. And I think there are movies about Christmas like this. There are movies about Christmas that are just like this, where we just kind of get... Used to the routine. We Reinventing don't inventing Christmas music. We don't do the routine around here. We don't do the routine. You're right. Let's do the normal routine. No the one that's tried, true, and tested. <laughs> okay, brown gravy. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I was having a great discussion with a um great musician in town about uh, who doesn't normally play country music and doesn't do a lot of country music. We were talking about great vocalists, superstar vocalists in country music, and these are the kinds of conversations I actually typically have when I'm not on air. People ask me, you know, do you just talk politics all the time? Almost never when I'm not on radio. Almost never. If you know me, I, you, it's, you know it's about the last thing I, I talk about um, if I'm not, you know, in a political environment or I'm giving a political speech per per force. Um, and he suggested, he said, well, you know, and he listed five uh, female singers and he amongst them uh, mentioned Reba McIntyre. And I was so glad he did. She is an underestimated great musical talent, great musical talent. And it was it was good to hear that uh, someone who doesn't who knows music and is a professional musician and doesn't typically operate in the country genre give her that credit I I, ch- I just think she's great I saw her in uh, saw her in concert with uh, two others Sarah Evans and Martina McBride it was called it was a show called Girls Night Out man that was a good concert God that was good those those are some great voices too Sarah Evans and Martina McBride Sarah didn't make it quite as big she did for a short spell uh, where am I going to tell me where I'm going I'm going to Rick in Phoenix hello Rick Hey there, Seth. How are Thanks you? for taking my call. You betcha. Boy, I don't know where to go. I'm just all over the road. Uh, well, <laughs> stay, to you guys. stay between the navigational beacons, my friend. Yeah, well, and, and while I was on hold, I was listening to uh, advertisements with uh, Christmas music being played over it and under it. And around it, and it was it was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, because we were uh, we were loading up our things. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I heard I heard you uh, and David talking about uh, meals, about various meals and whatnot. It reminded me of uh, the fellow that uh, asked the chef. He said, "You know, I want to order your chicken special, but first I need to know how do you prepare your chickens." And the chef said, well, I just tell them right up front, you're not going to make it. So, uh, you know, that that might be something to keep in mind when you guys are putting the menu together. 
Yeah, I maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. So I have a um, uh, suggestion for Christmas bumper music. Okay. Uh, I don't. I, I. I. don't recall at any point saying we were going to crowdsource. And oh, oh, you're, you're no. not crowdsourcing. No, that. but I'll take it okay. anyway because you're such yeah. a delightful soul. I'll take it okay. anyway. But be prepared to be <laughs> smacked down here. Okay. Well, how about uh, the marvelous toy that uh, Peter Paul and Mary had a hit called the marvelous toy? Are you familiar with that one? Not only am I not. I'm going to ask you to re-examine whether they had a hit with it. Well, it wasn't a... (laughs) By hit, you mean it was a hit with the Rick household. Well, it it was, you know, I think it made the top 100 or something like (laughs) that. You have got to be kidding me. In 1969. I will eat my hat if it made the top 100. Oh, okay. You really think it did? I I, I don't... I have no idea. You're just... When I looked it up on Google, yeah. it said, you know, Peter, Paul, and Mary's greatest hits. Uh-huh. And, of course, it listed several, but that was one of the was ones really? that were listed. Was it, it really? But it didn't say what, where it came in or anything like that. All right. Well, you I might be right, and I'm my... being hard on you in a season of good spirit. <laughs> I just but remember I take it from music like I take food. I take it all very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And and I have seen Mary, Peter, Paul, and Mary in concert. Yes. And I am familiar with much of their oeuvre, but I did not know this song. So that's yeah, why yeah. I'm questioning it. Well, I, I, I think, I, it, it, like I say, it was, it was from my childhood. It, 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 they put it out <laughs> in 1969. I'm not giving you So you were show. only a couple of years old, I'm, you know, so I'm that not, might be why easy. you don't remember it. I was not a couple of years old. In 69? No. Not quite. Oh. Not quite. Not oh. quite. Oh. That's all okay. right. We're, we're both insulting each other here today <laughs> in the spirit of the season. We've, really? kind of, we've kind of bypassed Christmas and uh, gone straight to Festivus, <laughs> the yeah, airing of grievances here. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, speaking of Festivus, brother, you, uh, uh, that clip that you played from uh, Groundhog Day? Yeah. You cut it off before you got to the best part. More criticism. Remember, as she's going <laughs> along, she says, you know, she lists all these things, and you played all that, and then she says, and he has to be able to change poopy diapers. Mm-hmm. And the, the man character says what? He says something like, let me see if I can do this. He says, do I have to say poopy diapers? Right, right. <laughs> so that, that, I thought that was, that's one of the greatest scenes in the movie. I, I, I laughed it's hilariously. It's such a good movie. I'm just so glad that uh, young David <laughs> has finally, you know, become an American by watching it. Yeah, yeah, that's there you go. Yeah, well, the, the you know, maybe the reason uh, David is not getting it is because I think you have to watch it like a million times before it really registers. Like every day of your life. Yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah, like every day. <laughs> that's a joke every, he doesn't understand. Every yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what I called about was your monologue, yes, which sir. was fantastic. Thank you. However, uh, Robert De Niro is, in fact, a great example. 
he is a great example of a supremely despicable human being. Mm. 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 Well, and that's my evaluation of Robert. If he's going to open the door to judging other people's character, then he's opening the door for us to judge his. Yeah, there's no question about it. Yeah, um, but I don't want too much, and I don't comment on this often. I really don't. You don't hear me going after Hollywood people very often because right. I don't. I don't believe they deserve the moral weight that they think they deserve, uh, and that too many people give them. But there was something today about his speech. First off, that he's talking about the distortions of history in our society, that he's talking about charlatans, that he's talking about people who lie, that he's talking about people of low character, and most of all, that he was talking about how much he hated being censored. And I thought, you know, um, Mr. De Niro, um, you who are in the business of making a lot of money by um, portraying things that aren't true— of which there is nothing wrong with. We all enjoy the theater and the movies. You know, you 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 do that, and you do that pretty darn well. But it right. doesn't give you any moral weight, and it doesn't give you any more moral weight when you distort the facts of the case. When you're putting the shoe on the right foot, and it should really be on the left one. Maybe once every two or three years, I'll say something about Hollywood ignoramuses. This was my quota today. Thank you, sir. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. How's it going, Seth? Good. How are you, sir? Uh, doing good. Um, I, I had to call in. I know it's a short segment, but you, what, yesterday, that seg- that guest that you had, and I, I, I'm forgetting her name, regarding the free speech issue with ASU. And oh, Lynn Blake and, and Ann Atkinson. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, weren't Seth, they I'm great? telling you, I, I, yeah, no question, they they were. But I, I'm telling you, as as a as a once proud graduate of, of Arizona State, um, I can't even say that anymore. I know. I'm telling you, I, I don't even recognize I know. my school anymore as 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 to what what it was um, when we graduated. I, you are so, not alone. I hear this from so many. Sun Devils. I hear this from so many ASU grads, Steve. Yeah. They are just, yeah. they don't know why it's called an honors college. They can't imagine why people would want their name affixed to it. They don't want yeah. to, people to know that that's where they graduated from anymore. Um, some of them were even quietly rooting for U of A a little bit <laughs> over the weekend. I'm yeah. telling you, I hear this so much. Yeah. They are shaming and themselves. They're shaming themselves. They are. And, and every time that there's a an issue on the, on the national side, you know, and case in point, the thing, everything that's been going on with between the you know the Palestinian Israel situation, there's always something going on at ASU that that makes makes the news, and and the rock throwing incident, you know, is you know came up, and it, and it, it, I'm telling you, it just makes me sick, and I'm telling you, I. You know, there's uh, the saying that the fish rots from the head down. You know, I know it's it's kind of a disgusting um, analogy to, to use, but I mean, 
Michael Crow, I think, has been there way too long. Well, I'll put it this way. You know, I take the point, and I'll I'll put it this way, and it's been said about a lot of different institutions, that phrase. But I will put it this way. Um, Think of him as a school principal, and anyone who knows education knows that a principal sets the tone and tenor of the larger school. Everyone who knows education knows that. It's the culture that is set by the principal. And is he reined in by the board or not? In this case, the Board of Regents, it would be otherwise a school board or a board of trustees or something if it's a private school. Is he allowed to run uh, with a free hand or not? And what does that free hand lead to? What does he denounce and what does he not denounce? What does he encourage? What does he not encourage? What does he discourage, if anything? Is it proportional? Is 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 it equitable? And... If the answers to all those questions are no, that lands at someone's desk, and we all know who that someone is. Well said, Steve. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.